0: Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. We have a great guest today, Dan Jast. He is uh, a new sysprog and been doing some really cool stuff with Zoe.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
2: Appreciate being here. Absolutely. Welcome to the pod, the uh, one of (laughs) many podcasts. I guess we can say many. Yeah. Yeah, podcasts about mainframes and all that kind of stuff. This is
0: just the best one.
2: I, I'm going to say it's the best one. I think it's the Come best one. Come at me. Come at me. Um, <laughs> Don't
0: you think it's the best one? Ben? That's one
2: I've seen so far. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Come independent.
0: On. That's independent.
2: I will not be reading replies on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for for giving the show a listen, whether you're a, a long-time listener or first-time listener. Uh, this will probably go up right around, right between Think and Share. So hopefully some people are uh, just learning about the show You know, through the conferences. Uh if you're at one of those conferences, go out and tell people you know about the show. That would be. And it. Then you should listen. Yes, it's you should really listen. cool. Maybe we can even give you some stickers.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll have a bunch of stickers lying around. I think yeah. that'll be good.
2: Um, but yeah, I do want to say uh, thanks to the listeners, each and every one of you. Um, I do have a, uh, a kind of a request for people because uh, you know uh, we'll probably have a, a reveal sometime in the near future, but uh, we're trying to make some stuff happen with the podcast and. uh um, you know, if, if you go out to our iTunes page, it looks a little, a little bit barren. <laughs> you know, it kind of looks like there's a couple. We do a lot of shows and uh, a couple people listen when I know that's not the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we only have one or two comments. And, and you know, not that those aren't good. They're Thank very you, good. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Thank Harry. Harry. Yeah. But, but it would be nice <laughs> if we had a few other people. Um, also, it would be nice for you to rate us. I mean, we want to... We definitely want to get the ratings. It's it's a way of showing uh, people who who are interested in helping how valuable the podcast is. Because right now, we just go around telling everybody how cool it is, and our uh, management says, uh, uh-huh, sure.
2: Yeah, there, one of the, the interesting things about podcasts that I find kind of liberating, there's, there's nobody to come around and say, your numbers are down this week, or going to replace you with a, <laughs> no. a reruns of Lassie or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, I liked Lassie yeah well that that fits <laughs> um, but you know we we do uh we actually do pull some pretty big numbers i mean the forecasting the or, you know determining the number of downloads per episode is a, a little bit of a dark art in just because uh different apps and web pages and services do it differently. some grab uh bigger chunks of the file than others, some grab the whole thing at one time, some grab small bytes. Um, and somebody might start listening to their episode at home on their home network and then get on the road. And now they're down- downloading it through mobile. Then they get to work and they're downloading, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's not like determining how many people downloaded a JPEG or read an article or something like that. It's uh, it's little chunks over time. But uh, if you add up those chunks, in January of 2019 alone, um, you boys and girls downloaded 89 gigabytes of mainframe MP3. Wow.
0: That's a lot, of, a lot of data.
2: how many thirty three ninety it's 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 a lot. it's 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 actually quite a bit, you know, and if even if you consider and I can actually monitor this, I can get kind of a good view. Uh, sometimes people don't listen to the whole episode wow yeah it's wow. it's amazing uh and, and certain certain guests you know they uh have a kind of a lower uh through rate than, than others but you know if, if you kind of add all that up 89 gigabytes of mainframe mp3 files that's wow. that's
0: almost five people
2: yeah almost five people or it's just my mom just hitting refresh she doesn't know how to cache it uh but yeah i'll leave the math up to you but that's it's it's kind of a big audience so uh, we, we want that to be represented so if you can help us out by rating and reviewing um, and you know if you're out on Twitter follow us make some comments start the discussion the discussions that happen after each episode are, are kind of neat and uh, if if you're not on Twitter and you're saying I can't do that that just join twitter already <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 2019 jeez it, it's come 2019 on. Yeah, it's it's no one's going to go to your live journal anymore you know it's it's.
0: <laughs> that's right your myspace page is is really not, not looked at at all anymore
2: right orchid friendster we can do this all day if we want to <laughs> uh, but yeah it's we kind of live in a world of uh, customized feeds so you know Follow a couple of things that, that are interesting to you. Let the algorithms do their thing. If they go astray, whack them a little bit. <laughs> but I, I brought this in from home. I brought, I'm doing prop comedy over here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, kind of the, the old model of, of internet was if there's 50 things I'm interested in, I'm going to have to go to 50 web pages. And I have this, this book. This is actually an O'Reilly book. Uh, it's called The Whole Internet. But that's the second edition. This is so. the second edition with over 450,000 copies sold here. Uh, we, a, we, tend wow. to, we used to look at web pages and stuff like like TV channels. Like, mm-hmm. I have a finite number of things. And a good portion of this book is, like, a yellow pages of the Internet here.
0: It, it oh. literally is. You're going to have to put a picture I'll of that scan it like.
2: One. Uh, here, here's okay. I might be interested in uh, gopherable environmental studies resource index. <laughs> so I have the gopher index for it that. Gopher, jeez. <laughs> yeah, uh, here's another chapter: stalking the wild resource. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, there's a there's mosaic? A mosaic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, but but this is kind of like the the old model where we live in a. Uh, if I if I might have input from like a thousand content producers a day, you know, or more, hopefully. In, in, you know, the year of the mainframe 2019, <laughs> I uh, I kind of get those from like three different feeds. So uh, what I'm saying is join Twitter, join the conversation, subscribe to our podcast through an app. If you don't know which one to get and you don't like the one that's already on your phone, um, we are more than happy to recommend a few. Uh, Overcast and Pocket are good. Um, but don't just listen to it through the uh, the web interface. I see a lot of people doing that and you're kind of missing out on the party.
0: Yeah, and you know we also want to make sure that we remind people that we're listening to them. So if they have things they want to hear, uh, certainly hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we we stalk the mainframe subreddit all the time. Uh, it's really important that this be the podcast for you. So we want to know what you want to hear and make that available.
2: And That's awesome. yeah. It is. It yeah. is awesome. Uh, one of those things that people have been uh, really pushing us to, to talk about, and I, I think we waited the appropriate amount of time to actually get <laughs> some uh, good information about it from someone who's actually using it. Um, I think I messed up the pronouns there,
1: but we're going <laughs> to <laughs> talk about Zoe. 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 Tell us what this Zoe thing is all about. So the, the funny part is, uh, so starting off, Zoe didn't actually stand for anything. Um, and now Zoe actually does stand for something. So it's a backronym. Yeah, of course. I guess you could say <laughs> that. Um, so the Z is for exactly what you would expect it to be, Z. Z- oh. <laughs> uh That's, so I guess, not what you expected it would be. Wow, well, <laughs> I screw that one up? Yeah, really. Man. I'm, I'm <laughs> making too Z- many assumptions here, I guess. I'm making too many assumptions here, but the O is for open. Okay, of course. And then the W and the E, I guess, together are We. So Z, open, and we for the first open uh, platform on Z. Is that
0: the Women's Entertainment Network? Is that... <laughs> I'm just we... going to
1: say, that's a terrible acronym. Uh,
2: it's a terrible backronym.
0: Backronym.
1: That is...
2: <laughs> Ouch.
0: That, I have a feeling I know exactly who created that. Mm. We can talk about that uh, when, yeah. when we're not recording anymore. Yeah. I mean,
2: because uh, if if everything I know about Zoe, <laughs> I learn by uh, marketing material, I know that open source and that's that's about it
0: and i I don't even know what that means in this context
2: yeah i mean it's it, i i've heard i've seen first open source on the mainframe, but i mean I've been running lots of open source stuff on the mainframe, and when you think about like the community as a whole, it kind of is open source i mean people pass data sets and mm-hmm. you know j c l files back and forth i mean so so what is your impression like what what's What's so, actually going on there? Yeah,
1: so I think the, the big thing that makes this the first open platform I'd say on the mainframe is that there's three big companies working together here. Um primarily IBM um as as the first that's where we're from. Um we're providing uh, ZOSMF as the big back end for Zoe, um especially the, and all the APIs that really Zoe then um utilizes to to perform the tasks that we'll we'll get into I guess a little bit here. Um, The other pieces are from Rocket and CA, who are now Broadcom. Um, They have provided the API mediation layer, which um, basically makes the API interface one single interface on ZOS. Um, And then the other piece is the Zoe CLI, which used to be CA's bright side of product, which they've now packaged with Zoe. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you said that the basis is ZOSMF. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I have to do that whole Workflow thing in order to make this stuff work.
1: <laughs> well, having workflows, honestly, I think would make it easier to to set this up. Um, currently, you do need a fully functioning ZOSMF um, running on ZOS to have Zoe stood up on top of it. Um, so, as a prerequisite, ZOSMF is a pretty big one right now. Um, that um, I've re- done about twenty installs of Zoe so far, and that's probably the biggest uh, I'd say pain point in the installation process. Um, but I believe there's improvements coming down the line that will uh, remediate some of those issues. So when you say 20,
2: 20 installs of Zoe, mm-hmm. this is 20 systems that already had ZOSMF installed, or you had to do that too?
1: I had to do most of that too. Okay. Um. And uh, just, I guess we should make that clear that Zoe's just came out as GA the last week, and the official product came out this week. So I was in, using uh beta versions of Zoe for the first couple uh installs. Here. Look at you, early access. And it was out there for everyone. There was a lot of people playing with let, it let 's let 's pretend like you 're special okay <laughs> I like that idea too <laughs> put put it on your checkpoint nice
2: <laughs> so, but, so, you know is how common is the install between different systems like can you kind of proceduralize it or is it uh Hunting stuff down.
1: I think it it has a lot to do with uh, like the security work in the background that's pre-existing on the system. Like a lot of rack f work that needs to be done to enable certain resources. I wonder who I would call for that. (laughs) (laughs) Ghostbusters. (laughs) I was going to say Mark Nelson. Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's a lot of this. It's pretty similar from a system to system. there's a, there's a couple of little hiccups you'll you'll face here and there with security issues, but aside from that, I think it's pretty it's pretty consistent from system to system.
0: Is that the the biggest hurdle for most people doing ZOSMF? Is it the security setup?
1: Um, there's a lot of security setup that is provided in their uh, jobs, basically that are, that are set up for you to set up ZOSMF, but. I'd, I'd say that it's more of getting ZOSMF to do what you want it to do. That's harder. Um, there's a lot of plugins that are optional for ZOSMF that aren't provided by default. Um, and that, cause people want to control what's on their systems. They want to control their resources that are created. Um, so they provide you with these jobs to create all these resources and enable all these plugins. Um, but there's no, no, there's no great way to really know if those plugins are functioning correctly off the start. Mm. Um, and a lot of those plugins, uh, are required by Zoe and is resources in the background that Zoe requires to run. So it's hard to know what exactly you have and what is there for Zoe once you are ready to install that. Um, they had they do provide some like uh, shell scripts and stuff to verify once you're getting ready to install Zoe, but it's not 100%. Um, that you have everything set up correctly for zosmf so it's a it's a struggle there
2: i would imagine that somebody with an eye towards security would kind of see this (laughs) giant wooden horse-shaped structure being (laughs) wheeled towards their castle walls and and Mm -hmm. might want to take a look inside before they just say yeah turn everything on there inside yeah
0: well and i think it's going to be important to try and figure out how to um appropriate angle this right because i want it not just to be a resource for everybody. I need mm-hmm. to really say this is who this stuff is for. If I'm using it to manage a set of resources, I really don't want all the user community using it, right? Mm-hmm. So security is going to be a really big deal. Uh, the the thing that I'm trying to work through with this, though, is understanding uh, how people are going to use it Versus some of the other development tools that mm-hmm. we already create. Right. Do you see this as a development tool? Do you see it more as a, as an operations tool?
1: I think it could be. I think it go both ways, to be honest with you. Um, I think there's advantages to both sides um, for DevOps and for uh, operations um the the user interface for zoe i'd say is more of an operations standpoint that provides a more modern interface towards editing data sets submitting jobs um as well as there's that extendability to that user interface that lets clients or users of zoe um write their own um ui applications to to uh, utilize the apis and whatever other resources you want to utilize on zos to create an application um and be able to view that and have your uh, employees view that as well then there's the other side where there's all the APIs and and being able to write the wrappers for the APIs and calling those within uh within code um that that side is huge and i think untapped right now for uh for the potential that Zoe is putting out there
0: now i know i'll probably get in trouble for this but i'm going to say it anyway it
2: seems <laughs> frank this is a clean podcast we can't use dirty words <laughs> <laughs> i'm drawing no, w- one line in the sand here <laughs> no what I, I was thinking the was- mf and zosmf <laughs> does not
0: uh, that's not where i was going Okay, but that wasn't funny All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm- so um, before if you were going to do a lot of Editing and management of resources on ZOS, you were kind of tied to Eclipse, which is fine at a period of time. Mm -hmm. But this gives me, starts to give me the opportunity to use tools that are maybe more appropriate to people who haven't lived and died with. With Eclipse, right? So I can use VS Code, right? Yeah, VS example.
1: Code is an b- optional plug right now for the Zoe CLI. Um, basically, allows you to view ZOS data sets in real time in a VS Code plugin, which I think you said looks a lot more like an Atom almost development right. environment, which uh, a lot of more people use and are more uh, comfortable with. So I think there's a lot of advantages to that as well. Right, and
0: VS Code is a lot. Well, i sh- I got to be careful what I say here because I think Eclipse is – is customizable, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a very heavy customization model. Whereas VS Code is much lighter mm-hmm. and it's much easier to add plugins to it. So it seems to me like a uh, something that people who have not grown up with Eclipse would be a lot more comfortable with as they as they start to to use a different uh, a different more flexible tool set.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree with that too, and I think there's another piece to that as well, um, where as people, you said, is not, a, not as comfortable with Eclipse, but I think there's as another side to that as people not as comfortable with JCL coming onto the platform, um, on the user interface in the data set um, editor, you can turn on JCL highlighting, which uh, you can then, like, highlight over your DD statements or your sysin statements, and it gives you, like, a description and, like, a definition, I'd say, almost, of what that step in that job is basically performing. So for someone like me who's almost two, two years into the job, uh, when I look at JCL, I don't exactly understand what's happening sometimes when I look at it, but this has kind of bridged some of those gaps um, as to what some of those steps and jobs are trying to complete.
0: Well, and to make you not feel so bad, I've been doing this for over thirty years, and a lot of times I can look at JCL and go, "I have no idea what this is doing."
1: <laughs> good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs>
0: yeah. is,
2: is, is this something that's broken, or someone being clever, or right? Yeah, I, I I love this, and I think I hope this gets to the point where it's almost like a like an old school PC swap and shop show kind of thing. Like, hopefully, in future shares and you know whatever conferences, um, a, a good portion is just people kind of exchanging their GitHub repos for, you know, that sounds like an interesting thing. Here's what we're working on. And you get to come home with a, you know, a fresh list of GitHub repos for the stuff that you're going to hopefully put into work in your shop.
0: And this is the the open source idea I'm hoping that we start to embrace. You know, a lot of companies don't consider the operational aspects of their environment to be part of their intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And it is an area where we should be able to
2: share more. It it used to be kind of like that, wasn't it?
0: Yes. Well, back when ZOS itself was open source, there was a lot more code sharing, Yeah. right? Because that's how they were getting the operating system to do what they wanted to do as a group. And that's really what a big part of how share kind of coalesced uh, Mm -hmm. because the whole idea of not holding everything so tight to the chest was really, really important.
2: Once you get um, Zoe up and running, are the platforms fairly the same? Like, if so, if you write something for Zoe on over here, it'll work over there too.
1: It should be yeah, as long as you change, like you know, the system that you're oh, yeah. accessing into the ports. And I'm, stuff. I'm not
2: expecting it to read my mind, but you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> So can I still do like like substitutions and stuff like that? Yes,
1: you should be able to, for sure. Nice. Um, I, I've not currently written any custom applications or anything like that to stand up on top of Zoe, so I don't have any experience in that piece of it yet. Yeah. Um, I've been more utilizing the UI and the CLI to perform uh, my kind of daily system programmer tasks that I would be able to complete using those things. Can
0: you spend just a couple of minutes um, talking about that, the UI? Because, mm. you know, a lot of... The way I've been thinking about it has not been UI based, so mm-hmm. um, it's more the CLI that's been very interesting to me. So, can you talk a little bit about how the UI works and what you think it'll, how you think it'll help?
1: Absolutely. So, I mean. I think everyone that's probably listening to this realizes that the main interface to interact with ZOS right now is TN3270. Um, Green Screen has kind of run the the space for a long time, and a lot of people don't want to move off of it because you can complete a lot of those daily tasks um, a lot quicker from people who have been using it, utilizing that interface for a long time. Um, so moving to a new interface might uh, bring up some other issues for them. But, that uh, was said very delicately. I, just wanna, I, I wanna tried. That I tried. How come he's <laughs> looking at me when he says that? Right? Though, you know? Looking over for approval. Um, <laughs> but I think that uh, that generation needs to kind of realize that uh, there's a new generation coming in. Um, people look to, to complete tasks different ways now. Um, and I think that that's what this UI is really trying to tackle here. Um, th- for I mean, I, I've already brought it up, but that data set editor... Um, is a really great example of um, kind of taking it to the next step of ISPF, uh, where you would have to go through all these different panels to just create and copy and submit a job of a data set and do all these different things where in this data set editor all you need to do is right click a data set to edit and to submit the job right then and there. It's a lot more simpler. Um a lot more people who are new to the platform can come on and make an impact, I'd say, more immediately uh than having to go through and learn um ISPF and TSO and all the the nitty-gritty details there just to be able to submit a job, which is a basic function on ZOS. I think that's what the UI is really tackling. I'm um, pulling in those new users and providing that uh, alternative option to uh, ispf
0: so is this like a desktop it is
1: so they call it the zoe desktop Um, when you go on and log on it almost looks like a windows desktop it has a blue background you have the time on the bottom right corner I mean, it, lo- it looks can, like a desktop can, screen Can I change the desktop <laughs> i you could change the the icons that show up on like the bottom bar and stuff okay. like that. I don't know if you could change the background yet or not. I don't know if they put that out in version one or not okay yet. I, I will check into that though and let you know Thank you. that's very important for me and and Phil as well I know. <laughs>
2: You need to have your your screensavers popping up, right? We, we have a funny story about that. Once the mics go off, <laughs> uh, but I, I've been working a lot with o. Paul Newton um, mm-hmm. lately, who runs the Master of the Mainframe contest. Or he's one of the guys who you know really helps uh, operationalize it year after year. And uh, you know the the Master of the Mainframe contest. If, if you're not familiar, you should just Google it and do it. Um, but it's it's broken up into three parts, and part one is here's you know to get you started. You, you're brand new on the platform Uh, part two is where you actually get to like do some stuff like debug jcl and submit jobs and you know db2 and stuff and part three is you actually write code and get deep into the system guts but part one uh if if you look at like what the students actually get done there it's like part one is uh part one of part one is i'm going to download a 3270 emulator and then I have to configure the IP addresses, and then I have to, like, you know, get into all these steps just to edit a file. Whereas if I, you know, download Linux and install it, I can right-click on my desktop and say, new file, and there's, you know, I'm not jumping out of my chair The the idea that I can edit a file. Like... So uh, what I – as from a somewhat um, selfish uh, view, I'm looking forward to this becoming a, a real standardized thing because it means we'll be able to start students at a, a much higher level than download this. You know, if we can just tell them connect to this and now you're in. Yeah. Edit a file the way you would expect to. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it it brings a lot to the table,
1: yeah. I think. As long as you're on the network with the with the Zoe UI, you'll be able to access it. And built into that UI, I mean, just like you said, there's an ISPF uh, actual uh, there's a TN3270 application within the UI. That if you're used to the old ways, you know, you can go back to that and use that application within there. Or Use, uh, one of the, use one of the newer applications. Like, if you want to access, uh, OMVS or Unix on ZOS, you can, there's a little, uh, like SSH client in there as well. Um, there's multiple options, uh, on the Zoe desktop and more options if a client wants to build out a custom application to put up on top of that UI as well. Um, there's a lot of options for that.
0: And I liked, uh, what I liked about the, the Zoe desktop is that even the 3270 window that you have, Mm allows you to do context sensitive help so mm-hmm. even if you're using the 3270 there's the ability to to learn about why am i doing this what what do i what are my options at this particular point in time and it's a little bit easier to learn new stuff without you know without being so tied to the old 3270 way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And there was a time, just to be clear, mm. when 3270 was a huge step forward from what we had before. So, you know, I know it was a while ago. Now yeah. I'm
2: trying, What was before 3270? It was
0: just um, just line stuff, right? Oh. Oh. So before before 3270s, every time you typed, it was an interaction with a machine. 3270 allowed you to do some things locally, and then push it push it out. So it was a little bit smarter than the dumb terminals that huh. that was there before. So this is really kind of that next evolution. It took us a while to get there. Right. Yeah, but it is really really cool that we've you know some of us who are older um, have seen this this progression. And uh, I think a lot of thirty to seventy people forget what it was like before and how. Hard it was for some people to make that transition because they're used to, just like people are used to thirty two seventy today. Mm-hmm. Um, getting used to thirty two seventy was 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 hard for some people.
2: I, I thought you were going to say punch card. <laughs> no, no, no. Before
0: punch cards, there were terminals. I remember um, one of the first terminals I used was uh, an oversized, basically an oversized Selectric typewriter. Right. That you you actually mm. had to. You had to bid for the computer to pay attention to you. So you would wow. you would bid, and then it would unlock the keyboard. Then you would do your thing, hit <laughs> return, and then you had to say, "I'm done with my bid." So, the whole interaction was way more um, connected hmm. to what was happening in the machine. So,
2: is that the idea of of time sharing?
0: Yes, that was that was where time sharing started. Right?
2: Huh.
1: That's a good connection. So let me make that one. Wow. Well,
0: I w- wouldn't expect you to, because yeah. that happened before you were born, yeah. right?
1: It's a little before my time. Yes. <laughs> but I was—I
2: was actually. This is a, a long thread. I'm not going to go down. But like the, uh, I was reading about Selectric typewriters this weekend, because that's—that's what I do. Okay. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Um And I didn't know that like there were companies that made like third party like add-ons and stuff for the Selectric software, because this is the first time you had like an actual like software buffer in there. Um, so you could actually like plug your Selectric into a mainframe and use it as a line printer or as a terminal into it. I thought that was...
0: Well, hey, listen, my, my native computer language was APL. Right. And that uses a completely different character set. So you actually had to have a special Selectric typewriter, or, you know, the ball terminal. Yeah. So you had to switch the ball and you had to make the the system know that, now I'm doing all this stuff in APL. So
2: if, if Ross is listening to this like stop talking about old stuff <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure he remembers uh, back in the back in the day when yeah. we did this kind of work as well.
2: Those those were some amazing machines.
0: It was it was heavy. Um the, the Are selectric- you heavy
2: as in weight or heavy like a way that an old person says cool?
0: No, it was heavy <laughs> as in weight. They were they were big machines. I, I remember the you would have to make two trips. Right, there was this electric typewriter which was pretty big the size of that laser printer over there maybe a little bit bigger. And um and then there was a, a case that came along, a big metal case that came along with it. So it was it was uh a lot different from what we're used to.
2: <laughs> now I just type in my uh you know, text app and then screenshot it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it really, really has changed. It's funny though that it really is a. It, this is an evolution that, you know, we, we did stuff in the PC era, really. But all we really did was say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna send and receive 3270 data streams. Right. We would do screen scraping, right? I, I did the whole finger thing, screen scraping. <laughs> Um, But all that really was was reading 3270 data streams and writing 3270 data streams. This is the first time we've really kind of departed from that and said, no, no, here's something new and a better way uh, to get us to work through this stuff.
2: Yeah, I think we kind of patched that as long as – you could actually – up until this point, I think you probably could still use a Selectric as a line printer for the communication. Right. It's uh, time to cut over. It really is. Right. It really is. Uh, help me um shifting shifting gears a little bit here. Um <laughs> uh, I made the shifting gears motion. What we anyway. need is the,
0: the switching <laughs> sound of the, the tight ball. Or so, or
2: um um oh
1: we don't have an extra pair of shoes to bang on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next edition of the podcast is a soundboard or something like that. <laughs> hopefully. Oh hopefully. no, don't
0: don't get them started on. No, there. that's that's in the budget. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> we'll talk about this after the mics go off. but so
2: if, if I'm thinking about Zoe Wright, it's it is, it's more of just, more of a thing that you start using and less of a thing you start using in a more of like a framework. So can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about like the
1: the structure for plugins and extensibility? So I haven't really gotten the chance to build out many of this, much of this yet. Can and... I add
2: new skins to it? And like... <laughs> skins <laughs> is gonna oh, be like man. Winamp.
1: Uh. I don't. I couldn't tell you about skins. <laughs> when okay. I think of skins, I think of video game skins. So I think <laughs> That's we're all. on two different mindsets <laughs> here. Okay. Um, can, I, can
2: I put custom dances in there for when my job completes? <laughs> so when
0: I'm running Fortnite on the
1: machine, I yeah, can... I want to dab on my O Charlie Four Airs. <laughs> I mean, I like what I like to think is everything's possible is possible. Okay, so go out there. If you build a dab on a on mm-hmm. an error, I'll be more than happy to. If, uh, if
2: there's a booth with somebody
1: selling that at
2: the next, you know, <laughs>
1: share, I, I want in on that. I mean, to, to, to properly answer your question, um, the extensibility for Zoe, I, I think, is kind of. From my point of view, I haven't seen much of those custom client-written applications being utilized yet. Um, so far, it was in a beta state. There was a couple bugs that people were working through. Um, some full functionality wasn't there yet. Um, it was more of just a place to get on the platform, start learning the potential, um, maybe start adding those APIs kind of into the, your, your code that you're trying to execute and start utilizing those APIs and calling those APIs to ZOS. Um, I don't know about those custom applications yet, to be honest with you. I haven't seen much out there for clients writing um, applications to put on yet, but I hope that they do. I think that's really then the direction for this platform is how many clients are then going to write those applications, put them out there for other people to have available to themselves um, and start creating that open source shared network of these custom applications that then other cl- uh, companies and clients can start adding to their Zoe desktops and really create this huge uh, environment of applications and possibilities.
0: Yeah, it seems like the time is right for this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the the proliferation of things on GitHub and the ability to really share um, kind of the complex nature of the code that's going to have to run here, uh, with the ability of Zoe to make it more, um, approachable, mm-hmm. uh, really gives us the opportunity as a community to do things that we, we couldn't easily do before. It could be done, right? It, Git isn't the only repository ever, yeah. but it's certainly the, the community, the way, um, the way Code is being developed today. Mm-hmm. It really lends itself to the kinds of things that we just need to start taking advantage of.
2: We, we've already been contacted by uh, one uh, software group that said uh, we're actually writing some stuff for Zoe. We want to come on your show and talk about it. Uh, I, I think we're kind of at a point where uh, the the leaders, you know, the the big companies in mainframe software uh, uh, for the future will be the ones that develop stuff that. When you see it, you say, I want that. How do I get that? And step one is going to be like, okay, well, I'm assuming you have a fully functional ZOSMF and ZOE stack. And that's going to be hopefully the thing that drives that. That'll be like the killer app.
0: Yeah. I remember we had Scott on a, a, few, a few episodes ago, and he was talking about the open source kind of effort here and mm-hmm. how yeah. he sees how that's going to really change the whole software model. Uh, I think it's... It's great that uh, a couple of companies are getting together to really kind of get that started. And in a way that, that all three companies, you know, Rocket, IBM, and Broadcom, um, have invested a fair amount of money over time in software on the platform. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this affects their sales hmm. as we move forward, right? Because they won't be able to sell that thirty-two seventy um app anymore right so it'll be really interesting to understand where this goes from this because it's 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 a departure from the way we've been selling in a long time
1: yeah yeah for sure i mean the direction that of which they take it from from here i think really Makes answers all the questions um, from here on out. But I think the first step that uh, most like mainframe shops and companies need to take is just let's let's play with this thing. Let's install this in our environments. um, Get some of our millennial mainframers on this. See if they like the platform. See if they see any potential for it. Or can they think of some um, applications or ideas that they can customly write for their uh, for their uh, Zoe environment? And let's see what we can do as an open source community.
0: Well, I think that's going to make a big difference because if you don't, if you're not invested, you won't do stuff. I yep. mean, that's what's really built the whole open source community is, I'm invested in the in this solution that I've done, and, and it kind of builds that community up. And we really haven't done that in the mainframe. Yep. So I, I think this is a real opportunity to make that happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think a huge uh, starting point for that would be at the base of Zoe, which would be ZOSMF uh, with IBM. Um workflows are a huge, powerful potential with ZOSMF, and I don't think that that's been tapped into yet um, because there's a lot that goes into writing a workflow on ZOS and a lot that gets those functioning on a certain system. And that information isn't really being shared right now. And I think if workflows were also included into that open source community almost where um, people can provide those workflows to each other and complete these automated tasks on ZOS and show these these ease of use of using these workflows, maybe that's moving that open source community into the right direction or at least that community into the right direction of uh, getting this community to work together and providing these uh, functionalities.
0: So you uh, you said you've installed this 20 times.
1: I, I would average about that, yeah.
0: So now that you are uh, an expert on installing, how long does it take you to install?
1: Um, If I'm on a system that I'm familiar with, I'd say two hours. Um, if I'm uh, hopping on a brand new system, I, I, I would say about a day still. Um, you never know what issues you're going to run into. Um, so it takes me a little bit of time to go over the little the usual rack f issue as I'm on newer syspro, so it may take me a little longer to do some things.
2: Yeah, the, the the kids two what did you say two years? A little under two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: that's pretty cool. Yeah. You can install it in a day and, and with hey,
2: it. I I know some people who would turn that into a month long. Yeah, uh, you know, will effort. you stop looking at me? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I don't know. There's still some more research I need to do. <laughs> book, book, book. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny,
2: but yeah, that's 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 encouraging. Like, what what um for phase
1: two of all this, like, what mm-hmm. what do you hope to be the next kind of uh, turn of the crank? Well, right now I'm experimenting with workflows a lot. Um, once I once I think I understand the possibility for automating tasks on the mainframe via workflows. Um, first of all, there's an application on the Zoe UI right now that you can manage the OSMF workflows workflows through. Um. So I'm 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 interested to get a fully functioning workflow up and running, and then managing that through Zoe. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm also curious because you can call uh, Zoe APIs from workflows. So I'm interested to see what type of these workflows I can get create and manage through Zoe by utilizing the Zoe APIs. So that's kind of the direction that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Right now, I'm trying to create this um, add user workflow that um kind of manages variables on. On ZOS, um, that, so if I change a user ID variable, then I could create any user ID I want um, via just changing that variable and name around, then it'll submit all the jobs and do all the work it needs to do in, in, uh, in its order that it needs to do that to create this user ID on the system. And if I could manage all that through ZOE and the ZOE APIs, I think that would be a pretty cool start for that. I don't know. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So um, rumor has it that... Uh, That not only have you been doing this, but that um, the development has reached out um, to find out your impressions.
1: Yeah. So uh, the other day I was walking down the hallway and I ran into Frank talking to someone who I didn't know who they were. So I decided to walk up to them and, uh, you know, talk. I heard uh, Frank mentioning my name a couple of times. So I thought I'd uh, continue networking and meeting some people. Smart man. So, I started talking. They started asking me questions on ZOSMF. I started, uh, I don't want to say bad mouthing ZOSMF, but not saying great things. <laughs> and, uh, found out that that person I was talking to with Frank was Dave Jeffries, uh, <laughs> the VP for ZOS development, uh, basically the <laughs> owner of ZOSMF in the grand scheme of things. So, that was scary after being at IBM <laughs> for a little bit over a year and a half, finding out I'm trashing one of the biggest products on the system, uh, to the main guy. But that's, uh, side the point. Um, me and Dave had a nice conversation then and uh, discussed A nice
2: conversation.
0: <laughs> we did. <Yeah. laughs> but that is the starting point.
2: I am exactly. sure
1: Frank was not goading you on at all like, right. What else what else? Right. Sucks? <laughs> I'm really great at first impressions. <laughs> 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 but, um, yeah, we started talking about kind of that direction of the workflows that I was just previously mentioning. Um, and I sent him a detailed uh, email on kind of my thoughts around workflows and the direction that the open source community can kind of adopt around those workflows. And Perfect. I think he liked some of the ideas, and he's going to bring it forward to the ZOSMF team and hope for the best.
2: Awesome. That's, that's important.
0: I think that's very valuable.
2: Hey, that's, that's why you come into work. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's why you work from the office. Certainly
0: why I come into work.
1: Right. Really? <laughs> you don't come in to see this guy smile and face every single day, <laughs> Jeff? <Josh>. Oh, please.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're coming to the bottom of the hour here. In fact, I think we're, we're a little bit over than usual. Uh, but before we leave, I do want to make, uh, something that I'm not sure we've made very clear yet. Um, those of you who've been listening to the podcast for quite some time will know that Jeff left the Z organization and spent his time doing machine learning which was really focused in the power space but now he's he's taken a new job back on Z and and he's now part of the family again.
2: That's right. I'm back. <laughs> I uh, what's that the thing that the, the Amish do where you go out and do the thing and then come back? <laughs> oh, the I
0: don't remember. Oh, that would be a good thing to throw in here. It
2: would really be good. But, yeah, <laughs> you sowed uh, your wild oats. <laughs> uh, that kind of has a connotation that I'm not really happy with. <laughs> what, what I tell people is that I've been at IBM for like, uh, what is it, like 17 years now. Um, I started in mainframe and I'm back in mainframe and I spent one year doing something that wasn't mainframe. So that should tell you that uh, – <laughs> you know, it's uh, the AI space is definitely amazing and interesting, but uh, there's so much happening in Z right now that uh, uh, I knew the longer I waited to come back, I'd just be putting myself further behind. So I'm back. You well, couldn't get rid of me. It
0: sounds like we'll have to do an episode sometime soon and and have you talk about the work that you're doing because it sounds really really cool. It yeah, does. yeah.
2: In the Z ecosystem space, um, we have a lot of a lot of interesting stuff that's uh, in the hopper. Um, it's not, uh, it's interesting. It'll be interestinger in a couple months. Yeah, so yeah, well, definitely. We got time. We're, yeah. we
0: will have to get somebody to, to take your seat and you can take the interview hot seat.
1: Yeah, awesome. absolutely.
0: Well, until then, uh, we want to thank you, Dan, for, uh, spending the time with us. This has been really, really cool.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me, guys. And um, if anyone's interested at uh, at the following share in Phoenix, I'll be running a presentation on uh, installing Zoe. So if anyone's planning on installing Zoe in their own environments and wants to learn some tips and tricks and maybe get through it a little faster, uh, come find my presentation there, and uh, hopefully I'll help you out. That's a great idea.
0: Change your presentation. The famous
2: yeah right as heard on terminal yeah talk. featured go. on
1: terminal talk
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh and yeah let me just give that plug one more time you know if you're, if you're listening to this through your your terminal right now uh, <laughs> uh yeah up, upgrade it yeah, do it on your on your podcast app I and mean, what the heck do that uh rate and subscribe um and you know join us on twitter too we're at terminal talk and uh a lot of the show gets driven based on what we hear people like and don't like
0: yeah, so let us know.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're not going to replace ourselves, so you can stop <laughs> writing about that. But uh, the other stuff, we'll look into.
0: Old man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.